It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Oh, and yes! Touchdown! Did he get it? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, Jason Walker. A little cutoff midstream there. Yeah, we weren't paying last attention. hour. We weren't paying attention to our time, and then all of a sudden, Dan Patrick's talking in my ears. Like, what are you doing here, Dan? Dan Patrick will come on when Dan Patrick wants to come on, and we better get out of the way. I feel like he's <laughs> earned that right. <laughs> that's that's probably true. Uh, but we'll yeah, we can continue that discussion a little bit. You can make your point that yeah. you were trying to make. I can uh, continue the sentence I was saying. <laughs> get to the second half of my sentence. The surprises of the NFL season so far. Uh, Utah Jazz, couple of practices in with their um, with their training camp underway. Some of their reactions from Coach Hardy. Colin Sexton had some interesting things to say today, uh, and uh, focusing a lot this hour on Utah State and BYU playing each other Thursday in Provo for who knows if this is going to be the last time ever or the last time in a long time. But uh, how do we think that game's going to play out? What's the score going to look like? How will the game? unfold and love to get your uh, predictions and your your thoughts about it as well on our full court press text line 435-339-0321 so before we get into the utah state and byu just want to give jason a chance to finish (laughs) his thought finish his sentence because that that dan patrick steamroller just came in i just came in caught me completely (laughs) off guard i wasn't ready for that um because we were talking about surprises in the uh, in the NFL yeah, through well, three weeks, and I had mentioned, you know, Cooper Rush for for Dallas has come in and played pretty well for the Cowboys. Yeah, for, in the few games that he's uh, been under center. And I was in the middle of dismissing Cooper Rush completely, um, and I was saying that I don't know if you're necessarily on the Cooper Rush bandwagon, which I'm not. Yeah, I, that's the kind of what I was assuming is that it, it's more of almost making fun of the the Dallas media for. Granted, I'm not following a ten Dallas media, so I don't know if they're doing this necessarily, but you know, maybe overhyping, you know, what Cooper Rush playing right now means, you know, for you know, long term this season. Cause Dak's gonna come back and he's gonna start the rest of the year, you know, provided he stays healthy. And he's gonna be the quarterback next year, provided he stays healthy, and the year after that, and the year after that, you know, unless something really weird happens. Because he's their quarterback. There's no quarterback competition. Cooper Rush is coming in to hold down the fort, win as many games as he can. And I didn't buy into the Cowboys preseason to begin with. You know, I picked the, the Eagles to win that division. But, you know, I expected the Cowboys to maybe make the playoffs, probably because the NFC is kind of weak, uh, at least at the top. So that, you know, there's a lot of room for people to slide in, maybe unexpected teams to slide in. Um you know, the Cowboys certainly had room to fit in at the back end of the NFC playoffs. But, yeah, it's it's kind of funny seeing people like, is there a quarterback competition? I think even Jerry Jones got in on Like, he said something about, like, well, he'd like a comp- QB competition. It's like, no, that's the worst thing that can happen to a team is to have a quarterback competition. You don't need a quarterback competition. Yeah, it is 
Especially it's, not through three weeks of yeah. the end of, of your start of your season. It is genuinely the worst thing you can have because the old adage, say it with me now, if you have two quarterbacks, you, <laughs> you have, have no none. quarterback. Yeah, basically. Every one of you knew that already. And it's like, no, you, that's why I was really worried at the beginning of last year with Utah State. They had a quarterback competition. I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to be good. But it turned out okay. I mean, yeah, they, used, they needed three quarterbacks to win 11 <laughs> games. <laughs> it's true. That's kind of the rare exception. But, again, it's mostly because they got out of each other's way for the most part. Right, yes. Out of, more out of necessity than anything yeah, else. Yeah, because, like, Peasley came in for an injured Bonner, won the game. Legault comes in for an injured Bonner, wins the game. And Bonner did most of the rest, like, with the exception of, like, Washington State, which is kind of weird. But even Bonner, you know, was taking the lion's share of the snaps in that game, too. So it's not like they were evenly splitting or trying to do a dual quarterback system. It's just... Whenever that comes up and people are writing stuff about, oh, here's how a d- dual QB system will work at such and such place. It's like your first mistake was using the word work. Yeah, so in your far, headline. it really hasn't. No. It really hasn't. And in places where uh, the team is struggling, the backup quarterback is the most popular guy on campus. Yeah, that's why Lagaz is really popular right now. <laughs> yes. And that's why I keep saying this to reiterate it. We are overrating Cooper Lagaz. Please stop it. Could he get there? Maybe. Yeah. If he was the regular guy week in and week out. But so far he hasn't been. There's a reason Logan Bonner was the designated starter. Laga can do some things that Logan has struggled with, most notably using the run game as a effective weapon to move the chains. Yeah. Using his legs to get more than one or two yards at a time. Yeah. Uh but before we before we get into the Utah State and BYU, a couple more texts coming through about the NFL. Um, six five four three. I had high hopes for Washington this year, but it's not going to happen. Your your first mistake was having high hopes for Washington. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, six eight nine one. Speaking of Bills, do you remember that one time Dan Patrick said Jordan Love will have a better career than Josh Allen? Yeah, I know he replayed that on like one of his intros. Cause I listened to Dan Patrick in the mornings and. The only reason I remember that is because, yeah, it played on one of his intros because he was making fun of himself for being a Josh Allen uh, non-believer. Not so much a hater, just more of a non-believer. Yeah, turned out to be a bad take. I don't know. It's still possible. It's still fun. No, it's not. <laughs> They're both young players who could have young, long careers. But... Jordan Love's the guy who may get to the end of his rookie contract before playing any meaningful snaps. 7994. Every team has an off week. Raiders are on week 46. <laughs> It's the ref's fault. As you know, their old owner is uh, Al Davis. Yeah, Al Davis. As, as the name was in my head, but I was like, I feel like that's wrong. But yeah, Al, Al Davis, like, it was that famous quote We would have won 10 Super Bowls if it weren't for the refs. <laughs> Those pesky referees. It's like, no, it's because you weren't that good. And they even got the help. Two of the biggest, you know, you know controversial plays, in, or I guess one of them, and then there's. There was one where they benefited from an iffy penalty call. It was against the Patriots. That's the only reason I remember that. Of course, then there was the tuck roll. But they also have the holy roller. It's like, come on. You've gotten the benefit of calls before. Be quiet. All right. Uh, So anyway, that's kind of recapping and and topping off our NFL discussion. Uh, Certainly, if you want to still weigh in on surprises through the first couple of weeks of the NFL season, uh, good or bad, uh, feel free. 435 339 0321. 
uh, getting to some of your texts to help uh, pivot to our other discussion about Utah State on the road in uh, taking on Pro- <laughs> taking on Provo, <laughs> taking on BYU in Provo, and a couple of your texts that have come through. Uh, five three three eight. Final score will be thirty eight to six for the Provo school that shall not be named. UVU. <laughs> no, they're in Orem. Provo High School. Uh, let's see. Five eight seven nine. USU beats BYU thirty five to thirty one. Hmm. Okay. Both also, of you to assume that Utah State is capable of scoring thirty five. Sent in another text that we didn't get to. I want to get your thoughts on this. In some ways, does the slow start that USU football is having right now remind you of what we went through last year where Anderson kept saying that we have not played a complete game of football in all three phases? I just see this team improving, and I think we're on a trajectory that is good but with a dramatically slower start than last year. The difference is, and I mean, I said this before about last year's team, is that they were an imperfect team in several ways. Not very good in the run game, at least during the back end of the season. Had some flaws on defense that they never really addressed. But they won games. It's a very different thing to walk into a press conference and say, we didn't play perfectly in every phase of the game. When you just beat Washington State. Or you come in and you've just beaten North Dakota, like 48-24. I mean, it was 41-24. I can't remember. But, you know. And then... You know, when you're coming in and winning and saying we haven't played a complete game, that's different. Because you're getting the job done, but you know you can be better. This year, they barely beat a not very good UConn team. They got gobsmacked by Alabama. And they lost to an FCS team. And it's like, there's a very, it's just a different feeling to say we've, we're not playing. And of course, Last year, Anderson's saying we're not playing perfect. This year, he's saying, like, you know, before UNLV, he's like, we've not played very well at all, ever. Yes. He said they, you know, he's been saying we've not been playing consistently in, like, any area. That's what he was saying. So there is a difference in what he was saying this year versus last year. Where last year, it's like, we're not perfect. This year, we're not doing anything. And that's kind of the main difference is last year, they were doing enough to win. There were some things they were good at, and they did them, and they won. This year, they're not good at anything, and they're losing because of it. There was a comment from Chandler Dolphin yeah, uh, in the press conference Monday that I think goes to this as well. Talking about slow starts. Because one of the things that the Aggies did a year ago is that they played really well in the fourth quarter. And their pace eventually wore down their opponents. And they were able to still go at them and keep punching and keep going. And eventually the, the opponents started to wear down. Now, we haven't really seen that this year. It's not because the team doesn't want to play with pace, but because they're not doing well on early downs, according to Never Chandler Dolphin. That- and that was, was that, not Chandler was Dolphin. That Stephen A. Smith. That was somebody else. That was Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> he had another window open. But here's, this will actually be Chandler Dolphin this time. Put yourself in a position to be able to run guys down in the third and fourth quarter. You have to get, you know, you have to be effective on first and second down. You got to get first downs rolling. You got to get the chains moving. Once you get the chains moving um, and you get the pace offense going, I think that's when I think we're, I mean, we're in better shape than 
than uh, than the teams we play when it comes to those scenarios when we get rolling down the field. Obviously, that's something that takes some time to build up. Um, you know, playing in a game is completely different than playing in practice and the, and the pace and the speed of it. Um, but I feel like I feel like we are at that same level this year, and we're going to continue to push hard and condition ourselves in practice so we can take advantage of tired defense at uh, those points of the game. Uh, so, really, it's kind of one of those keys that we talked about earlier. It's just they have to be able to play well on those early downs to develop momentum, to develop that pace, and to get rolling. And that wears opposing defenses down, but they haven't done that. But at the same time, when they've made some some gains, they don't. They still aren't playing with pace. They hurry up to the line, and they stand up and look to the sidelines and take 25 seconds off the clock deciding what they're going to do the next play. Yeah, it's like they, yeah, they aren't they aren't playing with pace, and I'm not a huge fan of just always playing with pace anyway because I think it's way overrated. Because about half the teams that play with pace shouldn't. Uh, last year's Yagis team managed to do it well enough and use it to their advantage. Obviously, you know, having a lot of snaps. Um, that's kind of one of the things Coach Andrews talked about after the game. You see, they had like 74 offensive snaps, and that's not enough to you know get that advantage of wearing the other team down. And it's hard to have more than that when you, like you said, they just stand there at the at the line of scrimmage, or when they only have the ball for twenty five minutes, because they keep throwing interceptions, or they go three and out. Yeah. So it's now one one of the things as far as early downs is that they can't they can't run block to save their lives. So if you can't run the ball effectively on first down, that's one of the huge things. If you can run the ball well on first down, average four to five yards per carry on first down running, that's huge. Because it just sets everything else up. It sets it sets up a you know second down play action or just another second down run. Get yourself a third and one, and then that sets up a huge third down opportunity, and maybe even a fourth down attempt if you're far enough into enemy territory. You know it can be a two down situation on third and one. Maybe take a shot on third down. QB sneak on fourth. Keep going. You know that's the kind of thing and that's the aggression if Anderson's been willing to to use in his tenure here. But. If you run the ball on first down and it's second and nine, you run the ball again and it's second and nine, and, or you know, third and nine, excuse me, what are you supposed to do? Right. In the, the Weber State game, the discontent from fans started with the ineffectiveness of running the ball. Yeah, and running the ball on third and 11. Third and long in the middle of a mass of bodies that didn't get any yards. That's when the booze began. Then it didn't help that you know, the passing game wasn't working and the quarterback was off and it just escalated and no changes seemed to be made until late and then everybody's upset on the sidelines and in the stands. So last week, I mean, that was a little bit better, but still, it's a problem. Those early downs, the Aggies are just not very effective. And I don't know that it's going. It's not going to get any easier on Thursday. That's for darn sure. Yeah, they're they're going to play a much tougher defense, a team that's a lot better at stopping the run. And it's not like Utah State ran the ball well against UNLV. They've not run the bell ball well at all. Like they had like two hundred sixty something yards against UConn, but I think they only averaged like three and a half yards per carry, if I can remember right. I was looking at it earlier. But just like they, they can't run the ball, and that's just a huge thing because then you become one-dimensional. Become one-dimensional like the kind of were against UNLV, 
Oh, no, they averaged 4.8 yards per carry against UConn. My bad. They did pretty well in that. Yeah, game. they ran the ball a lot and got a lot of yards. But 2.1 against Alabama, 3.6 against Weber State, 2.9 against Nevada. So it's like, haven't cracked 130 yards in three weeks. Didn't get 100 yards rushing in two of those weeks. So it's like, you got you got to be able to run the ball at least to some degree, and that's a huge part of first down offense is the ability to run the ball instead of just, you know, dropping eight back into pass coverage like UNLV was able to do constantly. Drop eight into coverage. We know you're not going to run well against us. We're just going to drop eight into coverage, stop the pass when we need to, get interceptions, and we'll dare you to run, and we know that you can't. Yeah, and BYU sure as heck is going to do that. They're They're going to not worry very much about the run in terms of you know their formations on defense, and they know they're going to be able to stop the run, and at that point it's just playing Bonner and waiting till he messes up. Uh, more of your texts coming through, 1570. I heard that the Jazz are more likely to extend Jordan Clarkson than to trade him, which I think is a very good move. Um, yeah, those Tony Jones comments, I think it was more, without having heard him say and just seeing it written, I think it's more along the lines of, they're not trading Jordan Clarkson. Like, I don't know if they're really planning on extending him, which, sure enough, go ahead. I've got nothing wrong with Jordan Clarkson. You know, he's got his role. Yeah, he's a heater off the bench. Yeah. So keep him around. Keep him around. Got no problem with it. Love Jordan Clarkson. Uh, five, six, three, four. And we'll get to more of the jazz here a little bit. Here from uh, Colin Sexton and Will Hardy. But 5634 texting in, Utah State loses 63-10 to with Bonner throwing six picks because Coach Anderson won't bench his son. 63 <laughs> um, is probably a high number. Um, I, I'd, give, I'd give more respect to Utah State's defense than what that score is giving. But a, a blowout made, in favor of BYU is obviously... Not out of the question. Yeah, agreed. That that possibility that Utah State defense may be called on to do more than they yeah n- normally should. I I think BYU scoring a lot of points would be the result a lot like with UNLV would be the result of Utah State's offense shooting itself in the foot over and over, and the defense takes the brunt of that because you know yeah that's how defense is five seven eight eight. I want to say Aggies win badly, but. BYU 35, Aggies 18. Hoping that my horribly luck, my horrible luck with picks stays true and it goes the other way. Bonus points, I hate YBU. Most people around here have a certain disdain for BYU. Uh, we'll credit you the bonus points. So we'll say your, so that means your score is, what did he say, BYU? <laughs> I don't know that it affects your score outcome, but so you BYU as an individual. 35, BYU 35, Utah State 21. That's what we'll, we'll throw you <laughs> bonus points there. There's the bonus points. Uh, 5654, I want to say, oh, that's the other one. 5654 says, do you think the BYU game is a must-win for USU in order to make a bowl? By definition, no, it is not. <laughs> um, and, and I wouldn't say so in, you know, in, in the context I think he's really asking it. I don't think so because we talked about it yesterday where there's a universe where they could win five in a row after losing to BYU and Air Force. There are five we could consider them winnable games, even for this Utah State team. They're, it's not a 
really difficult stretch of games. Neither of us see that happening, but it's a possibility, and it's reminiscent of the 1993 season. Yeah. Which that pretty much that very thing happened. They started one in five or one in six, won five games down the stretch and a bowl game. Yeah, is it a must-win? No. Will it go a long way in helping this team get there? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it leaves. But it's not the error. end of the world if they don't win. Yeah. I mean, it their path is still difficult, but it's not. The, the door hasn't closed. Yeah, and it would it that be, way. And it would make us more confident about some of those other ones, and it would give you the the much desired room for error with some of those other games. Drop one True. or two of them, uh, or just one of them. So you you obviously would like that for purposes of bowl eligibility. Obviously, you always want to win because it gets you closer. Yes, but there's there's a couple of reasons why it would help. One, obviously, win total, but two, more confidence in the re- the remaining schedule. Uh, more of our predictions and yours for uh, the the game tomorrow night: Utah State at BYU. Pre-game coverage starting at four thirty here on the Fan, and uh, kickoff will be at six, and the game will be on ESPN tomorrow night. Uh, BYU is favored by 24.5 points. Uh, moved. With the over-under at 60. So, I don't know. Do you like that? Uh, love to get your score prediction and how you think the game's going to play out. Feel free to text us and let us know. 435-339-0321 here on the Full Court Press. More of that coming up in about three and a half minutes from now. But first, this reminder about Grantham Mobile Automotive. Uh, we've had a number of cases where we've had to use Grantham Mobile Automotive with some of our company vehicles. He's always responsive, comes out, diagnoses what's going on with the vehicle, and uh, you're always great to work with. So if you've got a problem with your car and you can't get it to a, a mechanic's shop or something, that's what Grantham Mobile does. He comes to you wherever your car is. So if you've got an issue or if you're stranded, give him a call, 435 229 4345. That's 435 229 4345. DD Auto and Salvage is going to pay you the most for junk vehicles. You can get rid of your junk vehicles today. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787 1204. That's 787 1204. Today. See store for details. Advanced Heating and AC, the two-time gold medal winner in Best in Nova, Utah. They're teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. Carrier provides you the best furnace units available. And now is the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns cash valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, 752-7272. Or stop by their showroom west of DI. And online at advancedheating-ac.com. We're not comfortable until you are Advanced Heating and Air. For more than a decade, Integrity Home Health and Hospice has been changing patient lives, outcomes, futures, and now we're changing our name. Integrity is now proud to be called Aegis Home Health and Hospice. Aegis. A-E-G-I-S. At Aegis, we're dedicated to compassion, character, and trust. We will ensure you experience the difference as we meet your home health and hospice needs. I'm Melissa Fieser. Our team promises to go above and beyond with compassion and care. Call us today, 435-723-9000, or find us online at myagis.com. 
Your first and goal at the 10-yard line with seconds left on the clock. Your running back is poised for the game-winning touchdown, but before you can make the snap, the opposing team just takes the ball and locks it in a safe, and they won't give you the combination unless you pay them $10,000. That's exactly how ransomware works. And in 2021, two out of every three organizations fell victim to ransomware attacks. Protect your business with Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. Sunday on Cutlass Media Network's coverage of the NFL, it's an AFC West rivalry renewed as the Las Vegas Raiders host the Denver Broncos. Hi, this is Chris Carino. Join Brian Baldinger and me for all the action as these two longtime foes battle it out in Vegas. Can Russell Wilson lead the Broncos to a third win in a row? Or will Derek Carr and Devontae Adams power the Raiders to their first win of the season? It's the Raiders and the Broncos. If it's the NFL, it's right here. Sunday afternoon, beginning at 145 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Who do you turn to if you want to change out your wood or pallet stove? Advanced Fireplace and Stove. They were voted the gold medalist for Best of Northern Utah for the second year in a row in the fireplace retrofit category. Be ready when the government's next wood and pallet replacement incentives pop up. Advanced Fireplace can help you navigate the paperwork. For more information, call Advanced Fireplace and Stove, 752-7272. Online, advancedfireplaceandstove.com. Breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Ah, yes, we've got the game day coverage starting at 4.30 tomorrow. So that'll cut into our show a little bit. Well, a lot of it. <laughs> Not just a little bit. Not just a little We're bit. We're talking like 75% of our show. <laughs> but that's okay. We happily yield to Hall of Famer Al Lewis and Craig Hislop. They will have uh, the, the best Aggie pregame show that you can find, getting you ready for the matchup. understand that Craig Hislop had a long conversation with Riley Nelson, former Utah State quarterback who then went to Provo and is now part of uh, – the radio broadcast crew for the Cougars, but um, that will be part of the pregame tomorrow, um, along with coaches' interviews, player interviews, uh, some unique audio, the Get to Know You Aggies, Get to Know Your Aggies uh, segments. Uh, Then as soon as the game is over, so then the game starts at 6 on ESPN, and then as soon as the game is over, we'll have Aggie call on both KVNU and here on the fan, so that's probably going to be around... 9.30, 9.30, and we'll go until you're done, really, taking your calls and your texts, reacting to what happened. And so how do we think things will play out? Like, what will happen? Uh, love to get your your predictions of not just the score, but also how the game might play out. 435-339-0321. Uh, 9.835 texting in. Final tomorrow, BYU 42 the Dairy Utes, 10. The Dairy Utes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so <laughs> how do you how do you foresee this game playing out, Jason? Oh, well, I've kind of alluded to this a little bit as far as how BYU will play Utah State. I think the Aggies are going to run the ball very poorly. Uh, I don't think they can do very well at all. Like last year, Utah State ran for 22 yards. They'll probably exceed that um, tomorrow but not much. They're going to end up being forced to be one-dimensional. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. 
and they're going to be forced into mistakes. I don't see them cleaning that aspect up. They're going to end up throwing interceptions. Bonner's going to have a few interceptions, two or three. And, you know, Utah State's going to lose. You know, the defense isn't going to be able to hold up against BYU's passing attack. They're going to do just fine. They're probably going to, you know, they're probably not going to embarrass Utah State's defense, but they're going to get a decent amount of yards. Hall probably throws for close to 300, if not more than 300. So he'll have a good game. And, and ultimately, I see BYU winning this by a score of 38 to 10. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> just did I just no. did I just steal yours? No, no. But you, some similarities. Very different. Oh. Some similarities there. Okay. Um, I, I, here's what I think about Utah State, and I'll start with them first. I think the Aggies and this coaching staff have been embarrassed by themselves over the last two games. Mistakes, composure, turnovers, problems that are self-inflicted. This is, I know this is a tough game to get that dialed in because it's an emotional game. It's a rivalry game. It's an in-state game. There A lot of guys on this team have either been around this rivalry for a little bit or have friends who they played with or against in high school. There's a lot of connections. But I think Utah State does a better job of cleaning up their mistakes. I think that they, that has definitely been an area of focus, and I think that they do better with that. So I don't know that there will be so many self-inflicted mistakes Thursday as what we've seen the previous two games. That being said, I see BYU as a very balanced team offensively and defensively. And I think it's going to be tough for Utah State to continue what gains that they made last week, even in a loss, to be that much further along in order to get a victory. This is a very good football team that they're facing on the road. And they want to win this one as uh, the, the, the last game in this series to keep the old wagon wheel at home. So... My score prediction really isn't too far off from yours. I originally had BYU a little bit higher with their their point total, but I want to give a little bit more respect to the Utah State defense because I think despite of all the mistakes last week, the defense did a pretty good job against UNLV. So I've got BYU at 38, and I've got Utah State at 18. So I'm going to give the Aggies offense maybe a little bit more, but I still have BYU winning by multiple touchdowns. Uh, now, this would be Utah State covering the spread and keeping it, taking the under, but um, I, I still think it's BYU running away with this game. Yeah, I think the problem is I just have issues with Utah State being able to to move the ball. You know, They moved the ball against UNLV, but threw a bunch of picks. I don't know if they're going to be able to move the ball against BYU, and they're also going to have some interceptions or some turnovers. So that's why I've got them only scoring 10 points. I mean, last year they moved the ball a ton against BYU, or actually no. They, they I, moved I've, the ball more against Boise State yeah, because find the end zone. Yeah, that's what I'm confusing with. Is they moved the ball a lot against Boise State, only scored three points. Actually didn't move the ball a ton against BYU and scored 20. Um. So I mean, I mean, this game. I just don't. They're, they're not as good as last year's offense. They had big play guys, and 
They couldn't do it against last year's BYU team. I don't see them doing even half as good. Or I see them doing exactly half as good on offense <laughs> uh, this year. All right, so I'm 38-18. Jason's 38-10. Love to get yours. We've had several score predictions coming through on the show. 5-6-5-4 says BYU 38, Utah State 35. So a lot more optimism for the Utah State offense. A lot of people predicting Utah State like in the mid-30s, and I, I, I love the optimism. Uh, six eight nine one BYU thirty five Utah State sixteen. It'll be a field goal day for USU. It's always a field goal day for USU. It was last year too. Most field goal attempts by a kicker last year for uh, Connor Coles. Five eight seven nine. As per tradition, we injure their quarterback. They injure ours. Also, we're a road team. So Cooper Lega and whoever the backup is for BYU, that's who's going to finish this game. <laughs> now, last year they were a road team. We haven't really seen very many road games yet for this team this year. The one was at number one Alabama. Yeah, they have a negative 55-point really differential on the great. road this year. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they can recapture whatever it was they were doing for road games last year, that'll be a fun game on Thursday. Uh, seven eight five four. What's your over under uh, for interceptions before Bonner is pulled? Oh, before he's pulled? I don't think he gets pulled. If you're just asking me what I think the over under on his number of interceptions, I'd put it at about two and a half. Uh, if based on the question and based on how this coaching staff is continuing to go with Bonner, I would probably say. Three. <laughs> three in the first half. He'd have to have like three in the first half to get pulled by halftime. Yeah. And I think he just about did that last game. I think he had two, maybe three. Yeah, I think he had three in the first half. Yeah, and they, they came out the second half with him. So like I said, I don't think he's going to get pulled unless he's injured. I'm just he, he said they had a very short leash last time. <laughs> And he threw three interceptions by halftime and stayed in. That's not a short leash. He doesn't have a leash. He's the starting quarterback until he gets injured. That's what they've shown to me that they think of Bonner, is they will not bench him. 7854. The question was, as I stated. <laughs> so, yes. so the number would be uh, 37. <laughs> yeah, They're be... not pulling him, so just throw something out uh, there, and it's going to be over. It's be high. Uh, six eight two three with a score prediction: BYU thirty eight, USU nine. That's basically mine, but with less points. <laughs> Very similar. Six two one one BYU forty two, USU three. Yeah. Well, I think the the nine or even the three. Like if Utah State doesn't move the ball, it makes more sense that they'd end up just kicking three field goals, as opposed to, you know, mine would assumedly be a touchdown, and a field goal, or a touchdown two point conversion and a safety. <laughs> Or five safeties. <laughs> you know. In various combinations. There's a few ways. It was like Logan the other day. They, they had, in one game, they had 14 points. They beat Bonneville 14 to 0. They didn't score two touchdowns in that game. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Uh, five, six, five, four. Uh, score prediction BYU 38, USU 35. We said that. But then also following up, how come the Wyoming kid hasn't played at all? Uh, he has played. He's, we saw him against UConn. He came in with a specialty package, ran a play effectively on third down. 
there was a fourth down conversion opportunity and just airmailed the pass with guys like four yards away from him and he totally overthrew him. Yeah, a pass that a lot of people in the stands could have made and Levi just overthought it and Yeah. I mean the so the main reason he hasn't played is because he's the third best quarterback on this team. That's why. I, think, I, w- I would take Legault over Levi Williams. I think there are situations where you can play Levi Williams. I think that there were situations last Saturday they should have played him in short yardage or even fourth down. Just use his legs and his strength as an extra runner or even an extra blocker. <laughs> Give you know, Move the chains, but I'm not it, the head coach. It'd basically be running the Wildcat except better because Levi can actually throw. So you'd have that benefit. It's like right, when, the defense would have to respect that's a possibility. Yeah, it's like when Taysom Hill was coming in in the NFL with the Saints. It's like, is he an NFL quarterback? Heck to the no, he's not. But can he throw better than like 95% of players in the NFL? Heck to the yes, he can. <laughs> so you got to respect it. Yes. Uh, 6294. Moneyline opened at minus 5,000 for BYU, then quickly went to minus 2,500 for BYU. Someone throwing money on Aggies to win. Somebody already made a drunk bet on the Aggies, and he lost his money. So <laughs> That became a fun story through the summer, but it I, died quickly. Well, my favorite part about that story was like ESPN like asked some betting company, like, or maybe the betting company they placed it with, and they are like, asked them, and they are like, we are not worried at all. Like, they were just straight up blunt about it. We are not worried at all about having to pay out Utah State winning the national title. That was the correct attitude to have about that bet. Yeah. Uh, more of your predictions about Utah State and uh, BYU, what your score predictions are, and how do you think the game will be played, how it will play out the Thursday night, 6 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, more on that. We'll also get to Utah Jazz talk. Uh, will Hardy, Colin Sexton meeting with the media, some of their early observations of this Utah Jazz squad after a couple of practices uh, with training camp fully underway now. That's coming up next on the Full Court Press. Hi, this is Tyler. Recently, my father passed away, and White Pine provided the funeral services for our family. They were friendly, thoughtful, and attentive to every detail. You know, it isn't often that a loved one passes away, so it was very important to my family that everything be handled just right. Because my dad was loved by so many people, we had a lot of family and friends that traveled from out of town. I really appreciate how White Pine Funeral Services made sure everyone was comfortable and that the focus was where it needed to be, on my dad and my family. They really took care of us during this tender time. We would like to welcome Prodigy Brewing to the heart of Logan. Cash Valley's first and only brew pub with family-friendly dining. With an upscale twist on classic brew pub fare and ingredients sourced as local as possible, they are thrilled to be part of the heart of Cash Valley. Bring the family and try their wood-fired pizza or their mouth-watering signature burger. Located on beautiful Center Street, open Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pizza, burgers, and brews. Mmm, tasty. Are you a small business owner? Who's your bank? This is Bruce Rigby. I want to invite you to bank with us at Cash Valley Bank. We specialize in helping small business, and we have great people. That's the Cash Valley Bank difference. Decisions made locally, without all the red tape, by people who care and know how to help small business. Cash Valley Bank, growing, expanding, and proud to have our roots firmly planted in Cash Valley. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. I'm here with Mark Anderson from Anderson Seed and Garden. Mark, can you tell us a little about your experience with ChemDry of Northern Utah? You know, our carpets get really dirty at Anderson Seed and Garden, and we clean every January. Our timing is is kind of difficult. I called Daryl, and he was amazing to work around our schedule. They came in and cleaned our carpets. They looked like brand new when they were all done, and uh, they've just been amazing to work with. ChemDry, 
The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs. With competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Mountain West Motor has a fun event coming up this weekend on Saturday. Show up at their lot at uh, 615 North Main and Logan and bring your off-road or four-wheel drive vehicle. And then at 5... Everybody's going to be heading up to the quarry up Providence Canyon, grilling up some hot dogs and burgers. So come hang out and have a fun Saturday afternoon with friends and family with Mountain West Motor. Uh, Somebody else hoping to have a good time. Certainly the Aggies hoping to have a good time in in Provo. But um, we're, we're not very optimistic. I mean, we'd love to be. We're trying to be. But um, I just, I'm having a hard time seeing it the way that we've seen what this team looks like for the, the first couple of weeks. I've got 38-18. Jason, you've got 38-10. And we've had several texts come in that are pretty close to that. A few others that are, are having a closer game. I just, both you and I have a hard time seeing that this offense will be able to do much against this BYU defense as good as they are. A better defense than UNLV's, a more prolific offense than UNLV's. I think the Utah State defense did pretty good considering the circumstances that the offense and and others put them in. I think Utah State cleans up some of those mistakes, but still not enough. Yeah. I don't think they're going to have six turnovers in this game, but they're probably going to have two or three at least. And that's you're going to have to have zero, and you're going to have to get like four or five turnovers from BYU if you want to win this game. And I just, I just don't see that happening. Uh, two one two two. What's the line? I hope USU can cover at least. Uh, the over under is sixty. So predicting a lot of points. Yeah, Both point you total. and I have the under on that. Yeah, the point spread is. 24 and a half, which with, you know, the 24 points, that's predicting like a 60 or, excuse me, like 35-24-ish. I mean, technically it's like 36-24. But they're expecting Utah State, you know, with, with the point spread in the in the point line, they're expecting Utah State to score in the mid to low 20s, which is interesting. Uh, no, that would put BYU more in the 40s. 60 minus 24. I think they went by 24. Um, oh, no, I'm doing the math wrong. Yeah, because Utah State wouldn't score as much. That's true. I can't do math right. <laughs> That's why we're in radio and not uh, accountants or engineers. Uh, shifting gears, though, uh, we'll continue to get your, your predictions if you want to send them in. 435-339-0321. Uh, but Utah Jazz, their uh, training camp, underway. New head coach, a lot of new players trying to figure out their new identity. Some old players there as well. 
Um, some interesting comments on Media Day, and I, I didn't get those. I uh, should have. But one of the ones that stood out to me was Rudy Gay talking about how he's changing his number back to 22. Uh, he's coming in with a better attitude, wants to contribute and help this team more. And he posed an interesting question to the media covering the event. He says, imagine coming into this into this day and not being able to ask questions. So that's how I fe- basically saying that's how I felt with this team, especially the tail end of the season. Like he was handcuffed, not able to contribute or do his job. So basically throwing shade at Quinn Snyder and the coaching staff. They didn't get along. And there were rumors that there was a rift there. Because he didn't play, there were opportunities for him to play, and he didn't play, and he was healthy. Um, so this is a team with really a fresh start for some of these guys that were here before and some players who maybe didn't quite get going in some of their other locations trying to come together and start something new in Salt Lake City. It's not going to be easy, but for me, it's actually the more that I've watched this and started to, to pay attention to it, there's a, there's a growing level of excitement for me because there's going to be a season of discovery of learning what this team is like and what this coaching staff is like and how they're going to come together. Yeah, it's tricky because the things we'll discover are always going to be limited because you know coaches can't really show how good they are when you have a bad roster. So this is why I've kind of felt like Coach Hardy is going to I mean, I say he's going to end up fired, although I have to remember that the Jazz don't fire coaches. They've literally never fired a head coach in their entire existence. Um, But if they were following the usual kind of path of what teams do in these kind of rebuilds, is that Coach Hardy would get fired in a couple years because the team will be bad. And then he takes the brunt of that by saying, oh, he's not a good enough coach, and then they bring in the new guy once they've gotten all the new talent. Maybe the Jazz will be patient with Coach Hardy, I would hope so, especially if he's a good coach. Then you want to keep him around, develop the guys, move into a new era, you know, without firing the head coach after he wins 40 games across two seasons. Um, but kind of like a discovery, like the things I want to see, like I want to see how many points Colin Sexton averages per game. That's like one of the few things I'll watch for. Um, like to see Jared Vanderbilt a little more up close and, personal i know a lot of people really high in him and i kind of like him as well but i just kind of want to see a little bit more how truly viable is he uh in a large role you know and i'm obviously going to be looking at uh, agbaji and walker kessler and that's about all i'm excited for (laughs) (laughs) like has nothing to do with wins and losses it's just some of it is discovery like you said like discovering some of the rookies seeing how Colin Sexton does, seeing if he manages to play a bit more of a point guard role. Because for me, the only way Colin Sexton works long-term with the Jazz is if he learns to play point guard. If he doesn't, then I'm going to watch him average 25 points a game for a couple years, and then I will very gladly say goodbye to him in four years, however long this contract is. Well, one of the things with with Sexton is, besides the scoring, is a knock on him in in Cleveland was that he – maybe pounded the ball too much and didn't help out his teammates, but that's uh, something he wants to change. And he says it was more of a function of what the team needed him to do at the time, which I don't know if you really believe that. 
but uh, it, it, wanting to become more of a distributor seems to be a focus of his coming into this season. Oh yeah, definitely. Me and Coach got a number, and uh, we're going to reach that reach that number this year for sure. We're going to definitely reach the number and surprise some people. But um, now he's just just letting me learn. I think that he's teaching me, and he's on me pretty hard, which I need. And he's he's been coaching me up because he know. Um, what I can bring, but also um, I'm more than being able to score the ball. I can also distribute and find my teammates. So what's the trick to developing that? Like how do you get to that, whatever the number is, how do you get there? Um, just pretty much reading the game um, and just watching. I might have my shot, but I might have to give it up for my teammate and he might have a better shot, you know, and just picking and choosing when to score and when, when to uh, distribute. Or I might have a really good shot, but my teammate hasn't, he hasn't made his last three, so let me get him an easy one, you know. And that's what we've been talking about each and every day in practice, as well as um, last week and the week before. Wow. What exactly that number is, nobody asked. I hope it's higher than three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like he, he lobbed that one out there. Follow-up question, uh, Colin, what's the number? I'd Five, honestly, would be the number I'd be okay with. I want five. And that would be my hunch, to be honest. I mean, he's averaged about three for his career. We get him to five, maybe six, and that would be great. Look, here's a guy who can average 22 to 25 points a night, and if he can average about five assists a night, you've just replaced Donovan Mitchell. Pretty much. Because Donovan was about four and a half. So yeah, you would have just done that. So Colin Sexton really needs to learn to be a point guard, and I have a hunch – that I wonder, are Cleveland Cavaliers fans doing the same thing with Colin Sexton and this I'm going to learn to pass the ball <laughs> as we just did with Donovan Mitchell and playing defense? Could I'm be. actually kind of curious about that. More about uh, Utah Jazz, Will Hardy, Colin Sexton coming up next on the Full Court Press. Schreiber Foods wants to give a big thanks to the community for your support during their 50-year celebration. Thanks to you, they exceeded their goals for money raised and food donated for the Cash Food Pantry. Over 60,000 boxes of birthday cake mix was donated and thousands of dollars raised, all to help feed hungry families in our community. You also helped set a world record for the largest macaroni and cheese dish ever made, over 4,700 pounds, and it was delicious. In fact, so many people have asked for the recipe that you can now pick up that exact recipe at the Logan Schreiber Foods Office, 885 North, 600 West. Local restaurants donated proceeds like Texas Roadhouse, Chick-fil-A, Firehouse Pizza, Los Primos, Sabores, Tandoori Oven, and Cafe Sabor. They also want to thank their dedicated Triber Foods employees for all the difference you make in feeding the world and doing good through food. Again, thank you from everyone at Triber Foods. They couldn't have done it without you. Whew, having enough money can be a challenge these days. So let's fix that. Raise your possibilities with Elevate Credit Union. Start by opening an account, then move your loans to Elevate. Elevate Credit Union's low rates means lower payments. Elevate can help you consolidate your debt, and there are no payments for 60 days. Apply online, over the phone, or visit a branch. Visit ElevateCU.com. That's ElevateCU.com. Essie Needham Jewelers is where Utah gets engaged. Couples throughout the state buy their rings from Essie Needham Jewelers because of our low prices, extensive ring selection, and extraordinary benefits and services with financing available. Go to EssieNeedham.com to learn more. 
We have many unique and beautiful engagement rings starting at $500. You'll find affordable engagement rings with our integrity price guarantee. This is why we are where Utah gets engaged. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7. S.E. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. We are Aegis Home Health and Hospice. Aegis, A-E-G-I-S. Our home is your home. We are more than an organization of health care professionals. We are proud members of our community. Compassionate, quality, patient care is our mission. I am Jason Jones. I'm a proud member of the Aegis team. At Aegis, we're dedicated to character, experience, and trust. Aegis Home Care and Hospice. We will ensure you experience the difference. 435-723-9000 or find us at myagis.com. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. I think we're a skilled offensive team. I think we have a lot of guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot. Uh, gives us a lot of versatility on that end. We don't, uh, we don't have a lot of guys who are pigeonholed in one position. I think we have a lot of guys who can play in a couple different spots. That's Utah Jazz coach Will Hardy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a team with versatility. That's for sure, at least on the offensive end. We don't know the jury is definitely out on what this team's like defensively. No, the jury doesn't need to come out because I can already tell you what it's going to be like. Like, I would love the offensive potential of a lineup with Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, uh, maybe Fontecchio or Beasley at the three, just kind of depending on your preference, and then Markinen and Olinick. That is... Not a bad offense. You know, there's not really like a superstar scorer. Colin Sexton's the closest you come to that. But there's some pretty vers- balanced scoring. Yeah. There's v- you're very versatile. It's a really good five out offense. From various, yeah, from all over the court. Yeah. And a very creative coach could do a lot of fun things with that. They wouldn't be like a top offense in the league, but they could have some fun. Defensively, that lineup is bad. <laughs> Not great. Like not, not great. Like not poor, not okay, bad, disastrously bad. Right, for this team to have a chance to just have to outscore their opponents. Yeah, like that that, that which against elite teams will be tough. Yeah, that lineup would get would finish a game they'd score 130 points, give up 170. <laughs> Maybe not that many. Maybe. But they they'd lose like 141 to 130. That's what the games would look like, which would be kind of fun to watch. That would be fun. Uh, by the way, one other thing, we don't have time to play it, but I found this interesting from Colin Sexton today. The question was about how healthy is he because he played, what, 11 games last year? I think it was then, 12. And then uh, got hurt. But uh, he's been rehabbing through the summer. And he actually, he said he spent a lot of time practicing with, with football players and rehabbing with football players to get the proper strength and technique for his lower body and then played a lot of... Uh, pickup games in Atlanta, and so he's been doing five on five. He's fully cleared. He feels healthy and strong and ready to uh, to attack the season. I don't know if the rehabbing with football players is something that really needs to be mentioned because, like, or or is a big deal. Obviously, you can mention it, and it probably works. Although I will say you were right; it was eleven games. I looked that up, and I was wrong. So, but I'll mark that down. Yes, right. right mark the tape. <laughs> um. You know, if he's healthy, he's healthy, and I won't knock him. I won't say training with football players is bad because, I mean, for a guy who's maybe a bit lighter, it might be nice to, you know, be maybe be more physical. I don't know if he was just doing the workout techniques of football players. Yes, it's not like he's not lining like, up on a football field. <laughs> that would be more interesting. <laughs> that but, would be interesting. Um, 
as, as long as he's healthy, that's fine. Um, that's what we want. We want him to score 25 points a game and play, you know, 70-ish games, give or take. Right. You're, there were only like four or five guys last year who played all 82 games in the NBA. Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen anymore. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with a very shortened edition of the Full Court Press.